Hello, Husky fans. This is Max Cerullo, and you are listening to another episode of Yes, UConn, the podcast where we dive deep into the greatest UConn basketball games ever played. Except today, uh, we do not have any basketball games uh, between UConn and this team we're going to talk about today. It's a, it's going to be a, a whole new rivalry, a whole new world, and uh, I'm thinking probably one of the most exciting parts of being back in the Big East, and that is, uh, I'm talking, of course, about Creighton. Uh, you guys were, you guys all asked for it, so um, joining me today is John Nia from the Omaha World Herald. He covers Creighton basketball and all Creighton athletics. And uh, yeah, we're just going to we're going to talk some Creighton and UConn basketball. John, how's it going? Thanks so much for coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, I'm, I too am very eager to see these two teams match up. Like one of the cool things about Creighton joining the Big East, I'm sure we'll talk about all the benefits, but just being here living in Omaha is just to see all these big time basketball brands coming to Omaha, taking the floor. Um, and you know, the uniforms, the vibe that you get. So UConn inside the CHI health center, which is where Creighton plays its basketball games. Like that's going to be such a cool scene. It'll be different this year, obviously with the pandemic, but as the, the rivalry gets going, I can't wait to see that match up. So, uh, we've been really, really fortunate as if you're a college basketball fan in Omaha, it's like living in heaven right now with all the great teams and, and storied programs that have come through. So UConn, add them to the list. It's going to be fun. Yeah, no, I, I think it's going to be great. Uh, it certainly seems like Creighton has all, all the um, all the ingredients to a fun and interesting rivalry. So I just have to confess, I really do not know very much about Creighton basketball, except for like, you know, that Marcus Zagorowski is really good. That's pretty much the extent of it. And, uh, you know, obviously I know that the team has been successful uh, last year. Obviously you guys, uh, you know, uh, had a great season. You guys have been good pretty much, uh, you know, pretty much the whole time. Um, you know, but like beyond that, like, you know, when UConn goes back to the Big East, obviously UConn and Villanova have a lot of history. UConn and Providence have a lot of history. And then there's like the schools like Xavier and like, you know, Butler, where maybe there's not that much history, but you kind of know those programs a little bit better just from you know, UConn played Butler in a national title game, for instance, and, you know, last year they played Xavier in a really great uh, non-conference game. So Creighton, you know, it's it's kind of a whole new experience. So maybe a good place to start. Could you just kind of give us the quick, you know, overview of just kind of what the Creighton experience is like and sort of where the, you know, what the current state of Creighton basketball is? Yeah, well, right now it's it, the state of the program. It's better than it's ever been. And that's largely due to the Big East and, and the elevation um, the added exposure, just, you know, when you're associated with a power conference like the Big East, it's so renowned in college basketball circles, you're obviously going to elevate um, from your mid-major status where Creighton was before. But yeah, right now it's, it's great. Um, brief history. I'll give you the quick rundown of Creighton basketball. Um, pretty good in the 70s and 80s. They had a couple good teams. Eddie Sutton was a coach for, for the Jays. I'm sure your listeners know that name, Hall of Fame coach. So he coached the Jays for a short stint in the 70s. Um, Creighton had a decent team, a couple decent teams in the 80s, but really hit kind of the doldrums in the early 90s and had to sort of build itself back up from, from the bottom of the Missouri Valley. And that's when the Jays hired Dana Altman, who's now at Oregon, obviously a really good coach there. Um, he sort of he kind of laid the groundwork for what Creighton is today. And uh, while they didn't necessarily flash in the way that they have on the national radar during his tenure, um, you know, they won a lot of uh, Missouri Valley Conference tournaments and, and competed for the regular season title every year. I mean, they're just your class mid-major, a good program that was a tough out, uh, but didn't necessarily kind of make that Gonzaga-like statement um, in, in March. So, uh Greg McDermott takes over in 2010 and, and kind of continues the run that, that Dana had and, and like continued that run. But then once, once Creighton joined the big East, it's really taken off. And so um, the success that it's had over the last four or five years is really unprecedented for the program. And, uh, and so they, obviously they're hoping for more. <laughs> we'll see what they can do to sustain it. But uh, right now things are going well. Nice. Yeah. Well, I mean, it certainly seems like it by all accounts. Um, so what would you say life was like for Creighton in the, we'll say the years before the Big East, maybe like the five or six years before, you know, obviously I understand the, you know, the Missouri Valley Conference, certainly back in the 2000, you know, the early 2000s had a great reputation as a really strong mid-major conference, but like, I'm, it's just, it surely must just be a different experience.
experience than the Big East, which is defined by the Big East tournament and the East Coast rivalries. Whereas before you guys were, you know, in kind of a more, well, Great Plains oriented existence. So what was kind of the vibe like then? And just, you know, kind of the kind of we'll, we'll just say the, the the culture around the program in the days right before you guys made the jump. Yeah, well, I think honestly, I don't know if a lot has changed culturally with the program. Now, the status has been elevated, certainly. But, uh, you know, one of the cool things, I guess, about the Missouri Valley is, uh, for, for Creighton anyway, is that it was kind of one of the, I don't know, bigger dogs in the conference, if you could say that. I mean, it had like it had an NBA-style arena, you know, like 17,000 fans. Not every game, obviously, but they could pack it for a good game. Um, and was competing for championships every year. Like the Jays were in the good spot in the Missouri Valley, but limited because again, it's a mid major. So, I mean, I think that fans enjoyed that experience because you got some, a lot of really fun regional rivalries. I mean, Wichita state and Creighton toward the end of their time in the Missouri Valley together, had a lot of good battles before that Southern Illinois and Creighton went toe to toe a lot. Um, so there's like a lot of school driving distance, you know, and then everyone gathered together in St. Louis uh, for the, the Arch Madness, you know, the conference tournament. And that was always a blast for, for Creighton fans to make that trip. And they really showed up and represented well in St. Louis and, and obviously had some good success there. So it, it was kind of in a way similar to like the Big East relationship, I would say. I mean, it, probably similar to a lot of conferences that are really regionally focused. We've kind of lost that a little bit now. Uh, with with the football um, impact of, of conference realignment, but you know the Big East regional rivalries uh, going back decades, you know like um, teams and fans fan bases knowing one another. I think it was similar in the Missouri Valley, and then uh, that that conference tournament always had a special feel too, similar to the way the Big East does. Obviously, not on that level. <laughs> Don't get me wrong; it was not on that level. But uh, I think that it was you know, it was it was a nice mid major league, and as you said, it was one of the best in Creighton. Um, competed uh, competed annually for a championship. And so I, I think the Jays like their place there, but you can't turn down an invite to the Big East. And, and once they got that that opportunity, they, they definitely had to jump on it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and obviously it was a, a no-brainer for them to do it. But, uh, you know, when, when it happens, you know, in 2013, 2014, that time frame, you know, as it's all going down, what was kind of the, that experience like? Because on, on one hand, I'm sure it was like a sense of incredible like opportunity. But on the other hand, it's like you said, you know, you're going from a conference where you're one of the best teams in the conference. You're, you know, long history with a lot of these teams. And now you're going to, uh, you know, a, a, a more prestigious league that is potentially maybe not as good a fit, certainly not geographically. And I mean, you know, obviously we know it's it's worked out, but what was it kind of like at that point? Were, were people, yeah, what was kind of the, the response when that started to happen? Right, yeah. So I, I think it was, I, I don't, I don't, I can't remember. Well, I was, I, technically I wasn't even on the beat at the time. I was here living here. I was still working for the paper, but I was doing other things. But I don't remember any real, real hesitancy, honestly. I mean, I understand there was sort of like that, uh-oh, are we going to be able to compete in the, the highest level type sentiment, I'm sure. But to be associated with Villanova and Georgetown and St. John's and Marquette, like I think that that was hands down <laughs> an opportunity. You cannot, you, you got to go for that. And the, and the other thing that I, I think uh, that that's notable, and I said this off the top, but just like Creighton had trouble bringing – good teams to Omaha to play. I mean, it's it's the classic case that, that every mid-major faces of like how do you how do you kind of build up your program when nobody wants to play you and give you the opportunity to build yourself up, you know? Like unless you do it in March and have a great run and some of that's luck, um, it's it's hard to to elevate your status. But then all of a sudden the big big East comes around and it's like, "Hey, we'll do it for you, man. Just join our league." And then it's an automatic uh, jump up. In, in levels level of play, so I think that's that was uh, I I can't imagine. I mean, again, I'm sure there were some people who were like, uh, I don't know, but most I, most everyone was was really excited about it. And there has been an adjustment, though. I do think that like Crane fans have had to get used to. All right, if you finish ten and six or ten and eight in the Big East, like that's a pretty good year. Versus. 12 and four or, or 14 and four in the, in the Mo Valley and winning the conference championship. Like I think 
getting used to losing a little bit more has been has been tough at times for for Creighton fans because uh, they again they used to hanging banners and and cutting down nets and being champions and they they got to experience it last year obviously winning a share of the Big East champion uh, Big East regular season championship but uh, it hasn't happened often in the league so I think that has been a little bit of a uh, an adjustment but. Um, as Creighton improves and has more success, I think obviously Creighton fans are, are loving that piece of it. Oh, no, absolutely. So um, now, yeah, so once you guys are in the Big East, it's been, you know, largely a success. Uh, you know, I think I, if you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe your regular season title last year was your first one in the Big East, right? I don't think there have been any yep. other titles yet. So, you know, obviously, you know, it hasn't exactly like, it's not like you kicked the door down and just took the place over. You know, Villanova's kind of, remain the top dog around but you know it seems like it's been a success so how have the last seven years been for Creighton and uh you know I guess we'll say how has the adjustment been to life in the Big East yeah well the first year Creighton caught a break because Doug McDermott um decided to stay in school for a senior season and join up with some other veteran experienced guys buddies that he'd been playing with for a while so Creighton entered the Big East with a really good team um, maybe what, you know, before last year or, or 2016, 17, uh, that squad they had that year was really good too, but that it was one of their best teams with Doug McDermott, obviously national player of the year and, um, ended up what fifth or sixth on the, on the, uh, all time scoring chart for, for division one history. Like, um, they had a really good team. So that allowed them to make the immediate transition much smoother. And so they didn't necessarily jump into the league and everyone said, Oh man, they don't belong at all. Uh, the issue was after that team, all those guys graduated <laughs> and uh, they did have to sort of reshuffle. So they had a little bit of a grace period there where the Jays could kind of prepare for, all right, now we have to change the type of players we recruit. Obviously this, Going join the Big East opens up a new sort of uh, recruiting region that you can draw players from and it elevates your profile. So you can, I mean, Creighton was a really regionalized recruiting program um, in the Missouri Valley, like most of those schools are. And now all of a sudden it opens up the East Coast um, and maybe some more of the Midwest because it's associated with these teams and, and the Big East footprint covers like half the country. Um, and everyone knows the Big East. So I think. After that first year, which they, I mean, it was a good year for Creighton, obviously. I think they finished second in the league, uh, got a three seed in the NCAA tournament, um, had some epic games. Uh, they blew out Villanova on the big stage, hitting like a ridiculous, like 21 three pointers or something silly like that, and, and made a, a nice statement for themselves and kind of um, opened up the possibilities of what it could become, uh, what, what Creighton could be in the Big East, and uh, maybe you know, turn some heads nationally, but the next couple years was really that it was a rebuilding project after that, like having to make the transition from a Valley roster to a big East roster, it did take some time. And so they, they, you know, they went to the transfer market, they got some JUCOs, got some athletes, but honestly, I don't think that they, it, it, you may not argue it. Like I might, I, I make the argument that they really haven't had a full, like true big East roster with, you know, one through 12 or 13, um, all, all, all sort of like that top tier Big East caliber until maybe like last year. Um, and, and even last year they had some depth issues, so they were only running out like seven guys. So uh, last year or this year perhaps is when that, that full transitions really felt like it's taken hold. Um, so it, it was a process and, and uh, you know, they've, they've found a way to have some good teams and have some success, made the NCAA tournament obviously and, and finishing the upper half of the league um i think maybe over the seven year span creighton might have either the fourth or the fifth best record uh, in in league play against big east teams so they've they've done well but uh it, it does seem like over the last year or so is when uh, the program's really kind of found its footing in the new league and, and obviously the results kind of speak for themselves. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm just looking through kind of the uh, NCAA and NIT kind of tournament appearance record here. 
And, uh, you know, it looks like, so, you know, obviously 2014 when Doug McDermott's there, it's a, you know, a great team. Since then, I see you guys have made the tournament in uh, 2017 and 18, and you guys certainly would have last year too if that, you know, the pandemic hadn't kind of thrown a wrench into everything. Um, and this year's team, uh, you know, pretty much unanimously considered to be the second best team in the conference. You know, you got Villanova one, Creighton number two, and then everybody's kind of fighting for, you know, eighth you know third through eighth after that basically so what can UConn fans expect from Creighton this year uh, and I guess why is Creighton being considered um you know why are they thought of as so highly as they are uh you know pretty much nationally at this point well I think a lot of it is based on what the Jays did last year is, is a reason for some of the hype um because going into last year I think Creighton was picked seventh in the Big East now here in Omaha and you know in that locker room they felt that that was uh, they were totally underrated, and, and they they were ready to sort of prove people wrong, and they did. Um, they are bringing back, let's see, six of their top eight players from last year. So that that's, you know, if you have a lot of success and you bring back basically your whole lineup, aside from uh, Tyshawn Alexander, who is an all-Big East first-teamer, um, you're going to – obviously, you're going to have a lot of hype, and, and people are going to think you're pretty good. Now, they're going to be a little bit different. Last year – they beat teams with small ball. They had a six-seven center and basically four guards on the court at all times. And sometimes they'd switch to a five-guard lineup with uh, one of their six-five guys playing the five. And it really threw teams for a loop because they did, you know, with traditional lineups, they had trouble matching up against Creighton. Creighton had enough at the four and the five. They had enough size with their guards and enough strength to kind of battle with some of those big guys. They gave up a lot. Obviously, they. They weren't a great rebounding team, and, and if teams committed to attacking inside and, and going to the rim, they had some success, and, and Creighton gambled at times defensively and got burned. I mean, if you look at some of the margins last year with Creighton, there were games where they just got blown out, and that was largely because you know they, they took some risk and let, let guys shoot uh, wide-open jumpers who weren't necessarily great shooters, but if they got hot, Creighton was done, and so that, that explains some of the reasons why the Jays um, had some really, uh, you know, bad games, I guess you could say defensively at times. They really had to take some risks because they were so small. But um, this year it's going to be a little different. Now, they, I, like I said, they bring back a lot of the pieces, but they, they're adding some size. Um, they got a freshman, Ryan Kalkbrenner, who's a seven-footer from St. Louis, and they're adding Jacob Epperson, who was injured last year, another seven-footer, a former four-star recruit. So they feel like they can uh, – Maybe play a little bit more traditionally, but still stretch teams with their ability to shoot the ball. Um, if, if you haven't seen Creighton play, they, they like to push tempo, they space the floor, and uh, fire up a lot of three-pointers. They're a really unselfish team, so offensively the ball moves. And uh, and they put teams in binds because, well, first off, they have really good shooters, but and you know what that can do. But they, they their, their coach, Greg McDermott, is... Is, a, is an X's and O's wizard offensively. He, he just finds ways to exploit uh, a defense's weakness, and, and he doesn't relent. If you can't adjust, he's going to hit you and, and keep going at it and maybe design or, or disguise ways that he's going to attack in the same way over and over again. So um, that's a long-winded answer, but... Yeah, that's why they're 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 hyped up for 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 this season is because um, last year went so well. Uh, they were really potent offensively, and they're bringing back all those pieces to do it again this year. So um, it's 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 a different place for Creighton because the Jays usually don't get a lot of hype going into the preseason. I mean, they're ranked number eleventh in the AP poll, and that's the highest in program history to start a season. So this is a new position, and there's some pressure I think too because when I recounted. Creighton's basketball history, I failed to mention that the, the Jays haven't made a, a Sweet 16 since the NCAA tournament expanded. Um, their last six, Sweet 16, I think, was, what, 74? So, And that was before there were 64 teams in the tournament. So they haven't really been a true Sweet 16 team ever. And um, in my little research, like um, over the last 20 years, they, they're the team that's made the NCAA tournament the most that hasn't made a Sweet 16. So it's almost kind of like... Um, uh, you know, one of the elephants in the room whenever March comes around that, like, is this team going to be the team that, that gets over the hump? And so that's a storyline to watch for Creighton, too, because uh, as, as, as much success as they had last year, they did it a lot 
uh, a lot of a lot of that came was they were under the radar and, and maybe didn't necessarily get teams full attention or best shot until late in the year. Um, so this year they're going in with a target on their back for sure. You know, that was a very dangerous stat you just armed UConn's fans with just there. <laughs> that's funny. No, but that's, that's, that's 16 one. Yeah, no, but that's no, but that's that is a, a good to know with the, the context hey, of the history. Though. Fans should be used to it. They they get it all the time. I mean, they're in the same state. Their rival is Nebraska. Nebraska's never won an NCAA tournament game, but the Husker fans will uh, always counter with the fact that like you're a basketball program and you've never made a Sweet 16. So the Jays fans know, and they're desperate, man. Like 2016-17, that team um, was on pace to make to kind of break through. They had Maurice Watson, who is a potential All-American point guard. Justin Patton ended up being a first-round draft pick. Kyrie Thomas was on that team who the next year was drafted in the second round. So they had a ton of talent. They got up to number seven in the country. I think they started the year like – Oh, 12-0 or something like that. And at one point, they were 17-1. and Like, they were rolling, and then their point guard, Maurice Watson, got hurt towards ACL, and it's, the season was never the same. They still made the NCAA tournament. They finished third in the Big East, but it just wasn't, you know, they they missed that, that window, that opportunity. And so Creighton fans are like, come on. You know, last year, here another, you know, unforeseen sort of circumstance happens at the end of last year. Well, first off, Marcus Zagorowski got hurt. And he wouldn't have been able to play in the NCAA tournament. But the NCAA tournament got canceled, so the Jays never even got a chance to, you know, take one of their better teams into March and see if they can make a run. So there's a lot riding on this year. And it's the weirdest year ever because of the coronavirus, and you never know what's going to happen. But, yeah, if UConn fans come out, Creighton fans, with uh, any Sweet 16 uh, hate, the Jays fans should be well prepared for comebacks. But then again, it's hard to uh, it's hard to dispute that or, or go – uh, come up with a, a retort uh, on that because it really doesn't make a lot of sense uh, that that Creighton's not not made a sixteen with all its regular season success over the years. Yeah, well, I want to talk about the fan dynamics in greater detail later. Later, but before we get to that, let's kind of just stick with the current team. So you mentioned Marcus Zagorowski. Uh, you know, my my listeners have mentioned heard me mention him a couple of times. He's a he, he's a from Massachusetts actually, so he's kind of from this area. You know, I actually, you know, back in the day, I got a chance to see him play in high school. Uh, so, you know, he is a terrific player, uh, just, you know, really remarkable, honestly. And, you know, it's no surprise he's, you know, been uh, named the pre- Big East Preseason Player of the Year and is, you know, likely considered, you know, a, a possible All-American when all is said and done. So, you know, for those of UConn fans who have not actually seen him play, what is Marcus uh, Zagorowski's, uh, you know, what's his deal? What's uh, What can fans expect when uh, Creighton comes to play and you know Marcus takes the court right well it's interesting that you mentioned Marcus like where it's from part of me I, I haven't really put this the puzzle pieces together yet but I'm thinking like if UConn were in the Big East or had never left I don't think Marcus Zagorowski ends up at Creighton because even if UConn didn't necessarily recruit Marcus I think UConn may have recruited some of the other players that other schools around the, in the Big East recruited over Marcus if that makes sense so like Providence or maybe even Syracuse or Seton Hall or whoever, Villanova, I don't know, those schools were recruiting other players that were now available that maybe would have considered UConn. If, if, if you follow my line of thinking, I'm like, I don't know if Marcus would have been able to, uh, if Crane would have been able to nab him with another school of, of UConn stature in play with that with the Big East ties. But I digress. Marcus is really good, and Crane is lucky to have him for sure. Like, he... Um, the first thing that stands out when you watch him is just his competitiveness. Like it just sort of oozes out of him. Um, he doesn't like to lose and, uh, it seems like he takes every, every play, uh, personally. And so, um, there's that fire that, that is evident every time he takes the court, which is, which makes it fun to watch him play. Um, and then the other piece, I mean, he's just really skilled offensively. He reads, the floor really well. Creighton has a lot of ball screen actions where he's like super comfortable um, navigating and getting into traffic and finding, uh, finding teammates or creating for himself. Uh, he's an excellent shooter. I think he led the big East in, in three point shooting and conference play as a freshman. And he shot 40% last year too. So like he, he's had games where, I mean, he went seven for seven in a game this year where he just caught fire and couldn't miss. So like, he's a guy that, He's got, I mean, he's got the ability to create for himself off the dribble and get downhill into the heart of the defense and then dish. 
or um, or finish at the rim. He's like he he understands angles really well, and um, you know he's not going to dunk it on you, but he doesn't get blocked often because I feel like he knows how to contort his body, how to sort of manipulate the defense a little bit and find ways to the rim. And the other piece that he added to his game was like this little eight to ten foot range sort of finish, like whether it's a floater or a you know a short little pull up. Uh, like a fadeaway, I feel like he's found really creative ways to score um, in the mid range, um, and and that that elevated his game last year too. So, yeah, he's just—I mean, he's an all-around player. The one, the one piece. I mean, I—he's gonna take—he takes a lot of pride defensively. One of the question marks for Creighton this year is that that they're 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 losing Tyshawn Alexander, who is their best on-ball defender. Um, he's he was you know six. Four six five with like a six eight wingspan, quick with his feet. Um, uh, took a lot of pride in playing defense, and he was he always got the assignment as, of to take that take or to lock down the best uh, the opponent's best scorer on the perimeter. And so they don't have that guy anymore that that that, that lockdown guy. But I suspect that Marcus Segarowski is going to try to uh, um, try to step in and, and take some of that responsibilities. So I'm eager to see how much he improves there and and. Uh, eager to see obviously what he does offensively but from a point guard standpoint he he's perfect for Creighton's system um he, he can push the tempo and and see the floor and that's what they that's what they like out of the point guard no definitely now so the uh, the other guy i wanted to ask about uh so mitch ballack was uh named second team preseason all big east so he seems like he'll be another guy to watch out for what's his what, what can you tell us about him uh knockdown shooter you can't leave him open. Can't give him any space, and he can fire from thirty feet. So, as soon as he crosses half court, there was a game last year where he pulled from like twenty five feet against Xavier and, and knocked it down. And then, you know, a few possessions later, he caught the ball in transition, and he he pump faked and sort of like waited for the, everyone to get back on. You know, he, they didn't have a numbers advantage, so he didn't shoot from whatever it was twenty six, twenty seven feet. But Najee Marshall from Xavier was like standing right next to him, and was like, "Dude, looked sort of shook his head, like you can't shoot that, man. Like, why would you shoot that?" But he he, he has the green light, like literally. Greg McDermott, coach, does, it lets him shoot from wherever he wants because he's he's that proficient as a as a three point shooter, and and they're gonna try to come up with new ways to get him open, um, creating different ways to have him come off screens. Uh, Greg McDermott does a good job with his out of bounds plays to set him up. Ballack for for jump shots um and and the other piece Mitch he's just really unselfish so um he he's got a lot of intangibles that impact the program maybe not necessarily you see on the court but his leadership skills um he you know Creighton went to Seton Hall last year it was kind of a a must-win game at the time Seton Hall I think had a three-game lead in the Big East standings and we're in February now you know so it was if if Creighton couldn't win that game, it was going to be I think a two horse race between Seton Hall and Villanova for the Big East championship, and maybe even the Pirates might have been in the driver's seat um, if they would have won. But they went to Seton Hall, and Creighton found a way to win, and Ballack didn't score. And um, you know, you look at the box score, and you're like, man, he must have had a bad game, but he didn't. I mean, the way that he impacts it, whether it's uh, you know, just being in the right place defensively, getting them organized, uh, making the extra pass offensively, or just being a decoy. I mean, a lot of times teams have to load up and know where he is, which opens things opens things up for our other guys. Um, so he's a really valuable piece for them, and uh, we'll see. You know, what kind of impact if he can kind of elevate his game a little bit more. Like one of the things he's talked about is trying to be better uh, at attacking off the dribble and making teams pay for when they really stretch out and kind of get up in his grill and, and try to run him off the three-point line. What countermeasure does he have? And so that's one of the pieces that he's added. He's added some some strength to, to try to finish, finish better inside. So, um, yeah, he's a really valuable piece. Obviously, it's, it, it starts with the shooting, but it doesn't end there. He, he impacts the game in a lot of ways. Nice, nice. No, that sounds good. So, you know, let's, uh, I guess, as far as like kind of the, the present and going into the future goes, you know, obviously Creighton is looking like they're, you know, this is, 
could be one of their best teams ever. You know, that's kind of where things seem to be trending. So how about like, how sustainable is this, I guess, is like this kind of one of those teams where it's like, you got to win this year, it's all going to come come apart. Or, you know, what's what's the immediate future look like with recruits coming in and, you know, Greg McDermott, how, how what's kind of the what's, what's the expectation for the, uh, the short term future of the program? Would you say? Yeah, well, go back to maybe three, four years ago, it was always sort of last year and this year were always sort of circled as, as an opportunity for Creighton to kind of um, maybe more firmly establish itself among in, in that next tier of programs um, nationally. And, you know, I would say last year was a success in that, in that way. You didn't get the opportunity to play in the NCAA tournament, but nobody did. And so this year I think they, they do need to follow it up. I think it is important to have, um, you know, to you know, to to follow through on the expectations that are laid out, and and those players inside the program, like they they want to do something that Crane's never done before, and so I think it is from from a long term perspective, it is important because hey, here's your chance. Um, what do you do with it? And the Jays have had chances before. Like I said, 2016-17 injuries happened, but that and, and that that's unfortunate, but that was a window. And the 2013-14 team, the first year in the Big East with Doug McDermott and all those seniors, that was a window. Um, they were three seed in the NCAA tournament and lost in the second round to Baylor. So another opportunity. It, it does seem like a program of Creighton's level, uh, you know, not a, not a not a blue blood, but in a power conference, you do go through these ebbs and flows. Like you're not going to be great for six years straight. Um, shoot, not even the big the the big boys are great for six years straight, but um, or not all of them, but you, you do have, it, it pulses at times, right? And so you have to take advantage of the, the moments when it pulses and that's where Creighton's at right now. And so certain, certainly the next couple of years, there will be a little bit of a drop off, but how significant, I don't know. Um, it probably depends on what they do to finish out this 2021 class where rec- we're recording this, like right in the middle of the open early signing period. And Creighton has a couple guys that may decide one for sure um, a, a top 100 player who's down to, I think, Creighton in Illinois. Um, so if he chooses the Jays and they get another guy that they're looking at, another top 100 guy, like suddenly the class looks really good. And maybe the expectations uh, for what could be in store next year uh, change a little bit. Uh, but no, the, Creighton's recruiting, re, Creighton's recruited really well, I think, over the last three to four years as it's kind of taken advantage of its new relationship with the Big East and its new uh, stature in college basketball, but um, it, it has been uh, even before the Big East and even during its time here in this league, it's been a developmental program. So a lot of times, it's it's needed um, some it's needed to get its guys seasoning before they are sort of at the level where they're peaking, and that that's the case with this group right now. And, and one of the reasons why this year is so important because uh, obviously last year the the Jays won the Big East Championship, but the year before that, they were in the NIT, and it was all these same guys, for the most part, just young and inexperienced. They lost a ton of close games. Um, they they just had a lot of adversity that they had to kind of fight through. Had some injuries, some you know they they got introduced to the Big East grind as as young players, freshmen and sophomores for the first time, and it was like whoa, eye opening. Um, taking on big roles and trying to be go to guys when you're sophomores. Um, and freshmen, wow, that 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 there's a there's a learning curve there, and they certainly experienced the hardships of that. Um, but you know, so that that could easily be the case next year uh, with it with another young team. But um, the Jays hope that they've added enough talent and and enough enough depth over the last couple of years that perhaps that drop off won't be as significant. So we'll see. I think Creighton is well suited. It seems to be a top half of the Big East team for the next few seasons but uh obviously needs to follow up the 2021 or finish out the 2021 recruiting class um with a couple wins here um just to kind of add some talent but uh we'll see because if you look at the roster right now man it's denzel mahoney damian jefferson mitch ballack they're all seniors marcus zagorowski is a junior he could go pro so that's four guys that they may have to replace so there there could easily be um uh, a drop off and you can understand why 
the Jays are, you know, pretty motivated to find some talent in the 2021 recruiting class. Yeah, no, good stuff. So, you know, I think one of the things I I think a lot of UConn fans who have kind of read up on Creighton have noticed is that, you know, it's, it's just like a really good, solid college basketball program. And it just seems like, you know, it's like you said, they're not like Duke where they're bringing in one and dones. But, you know, a lot of what you just said about the young guys, you know, losing a lot of close games, that that's like relatable to UConn over the last couple of years because that's been exactly what their experience has been. You know, last year they lost like, I don't know, six, seven really close games. And it, like finally, eventually they figured it out and started winning those close games. So, you know, it's I guess Creighton, if, if you know, if UConn is like a couple steps behind Creighton on that step to getting back to relevance, then you know, that's certainly a good place to be. So now UConn, of course, you know, UConn and Creighton do not have any history together. But, you know, when the news breaks, you know, that UConn is going back to the Big East, it's a, it's like, you know, if I recall correctly, it was really like the biggest story in sports for like, you know, that whatever that late June day was. It was, a you know, it was a pretty big splash. So what was the thought like in Creighton? You know, how were people excited about this? Were they Maybe like, oh, like, you know, it's going to get harder to compete. You know, what was how what was the reaction like over in uh, your neck of the woods? Yeah, I think kind of all of that, right? <laughs> like um, the biggies is tough enough. And now you're going to go at UConn. Are you insane? <laughs> that sort of piece of it. Yes. Uh, but then the excitement of, again, like I said off the top of like seeing UConn and Creighton on the floor together. I mean, who would have imagined that? If you were a Jays fan, you certainly would not have imagined that in 2010, 10 years ago, 15, 20 years ago. I mean, just the fact that I, I it was funny. I was having a conversation with, with, with one Creighton fan when the Jays were playing DePaul. And, uh, you know, DePaul's been at the bottom of the Big East. But uh, we were saying, you know, in, in, in the Missouri Valley days, if you had DePaul come to Omaha, you, you'd be thrilled. Like a Big East team coming to Omaha to play, let's do it. <laughs> and now all of a sudden you get all these great teams coming. And so I think that piece of it, just having the opportunity to play teams like that, I mean, it, just just being associated with them boosts your profile. But then when you are you know competitive enough, the way Creighton has been, talented enough to beat them, well then all of a sudden team or or you know recruits start looking at you differently national media starts looking at you differently your profile t- totally changes and that's what's happened for Creighton over the last few years so um adding UConn just gives them another opportunity to to in- further enhance that so I can't wait man I, I can't wait to see uh, I the one cool thing about UConn that I don't know if I fully even understand nor Creighton fans is just the impact of like that fan base um and how massive it is, and how they're everywhere. I mean, UConn's one of the biggest brands in college basketball, and it's it's not, to me. Now, maybe it would be different if Georgetown were good at the moment, but to me, it's unlike any other team in in the conference right now. Like, there's a lot of these smaller schools that certainly have a lot of basketball history and a lot of fans, but just their reach is not as big. The alumni base isn't as big, but UConn. <laughs> I mean, first off, UConn like has been so successful that it's it's fandom sort of expands beyond sort of like the uh, oh these guys went you went to school here so you're a fan like it, it transcends that but uh yeah i i think that i'm eager to see how many uconn fans are in the the arena in omaha like i i gotta imagine there's gonna be a handful and uh even though it's such a far distance away but there's uconn fans everywhere so i think that element of it's gonna be a lot of fun and um you know, I think one other piece too that that I, I I think about is Creighton fans like they feel pretty good about their program, right? They've had some success and they sell out the arena pretty regularly, and they think that their environment's really cool. And I think sometimes that rubs the Big East, the rest of the league, the wrong way at times. You know, just from a fan in the fan world, you know, Creighton kind of comes off maybe a little bit smug because they're like. You know, we got a lot of cool things going on in Omaha. We feel good about it. And everyone else is like, dude, you guys haven't made a Sweet 16. Shut up. <laughs> and so, like, I feel like the fact that UConn is coming into the league, it takes a little bit of the sort of, like, I don't know, pressure is the word. Like, the attention off, off Creighton fans. All of a sudden, UConn is going to be the team that everyone hates. Whereas Creighton, it, you know, now, you know, they don't have to, uh, you know, throw shade Creighton's way as often as, as they would so, uh, in the past. 
Yeah. So let's talk about the Creighton's fans, because I think that's a fascinating dynamic that I, I hope a lot of UConn fans are, I guess, ready for. So, you know, you guys have this great arena and you guys sell it out like you average. What is it like 17,000 fans per game? Something like that. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. That's about right. So that's Seven, I think they were fifth in the country. Wow. OK. No, that's that's awesome. So, you know, I guess just like. Tell me about the fans, I guess, just because like that's something that's not something I really knew. Well, the fan base, you know, I feel like there's it's maybe there's two different types of Creighton fans. Like there's the old school Creighton fan that has been there since the beginning. Like I said, in the early 90s, I mean, Creighton really wasn't a thing. They weren't good at basketball. Um, They didn't have fans coming to their arena. They weren't at this arena that they're at now, but they still had a downtown arena. It's just like what, 2,000, 3,000 people there. It, like, it wasn't the 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 behemoth that it is now locally. Um, so there are fans that were plugged in from the beginning and have kind of grown with this team. And then there are new fans that have kind of, like, emerged, uh, you know, since Creighton's had some success, the end of the Valley years, and, uh, and into the Big East. So, um, yeah, like, I, I think it's a... They're still they're still trying to grow their fan base, obviously. But in Omaha, um, you know, it's 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 one of the best shows in town. Like, there's what else are you gonna do, right? Like, <laughs> we don't have a pro team here. Um, I guess you can go catch a movie or uh, go chill out on a lake uh, or something. But if you're in the winter, like, what else, what 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 do you got going on? So Nebraska, uh, Nebraska Lincoln is about an hour away down the road, and there's obviously a lot of Husker fans across the state, um, but here in Omaha, um, there's not, you know, like I said, you might as well go watch some good basketball. And so that's what I think a lot of people have done. And, uh, the arena, like it can get crazy, um, uh, for, on a good day on, 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 uh, against lesser opponents. Yeah. The fans might be in the stands, but they're maybe not as engaged uh, as they are for Villanova or, uh, you know, a Xavier or a UConn when UConn comes to town. Um, so it, it's a, it kind of depends on the day that you come, I think, to the arena, but certainly on those big game days and when Creighton's good. I mean, last year the place was electric, and that was largely because of the way Creighton plays. Like, they jump on teams, throw together like an 18-2 to 2 run, and it's really exciting. They've got some, some lob dunks in there, some, you know, dagger threes, and it's just – it's a fun product to get behind and to root for and cheer cheer about. So uh, that also plays into why the you know or plays into the environment a little bit. But um, but yeah, so like I'm I'm eager to see what how Creighton fans embrace UConn or how they feel. To, UConn's gonna come in. I think UConn fans are gonna come in like you know, hey man, this is our league. We we <laughs> we. Uh, we were here at the start at the Big East, and sure, we left for a little bit, but like we're coming back and looking to reclaim our spot. And uh, how that, how that, how Creighton fans feel about that, I don't know. I don't know. It could lead to some interesting discussions. But like I said, I think that that's probably going to be the case for a lot of fan bases in the Big East as they uh, readjust the UConn being back. Yeah, definitely. So I guess kind of one extension to that question then is the um, so UConn, so we Creighton's fans obviously show up. You know, in the live building they're you know, they fill the place up. They're loud. They're crazy. But what I wonder is how online is Creighton's fan base? And I mean that in the sense that UConn is a very vocal online fan contingent who loves to talk a lot of smack. (laughs) So, you know, and that's something, you know, let kind of fill you in on UConn's experience over the last seven years in the American conference. You know, you a lot is UConn has just not really been a good cultural fit where, you know, you're playing all these teams that, frankly, nobody in Connecticut cares about. And all these teams value different things than UConn does. So, you know, if your standard Internet argument between a UConn fan and, say, I don't know, a Houston fan, for instance, or a Memphis fan would be something to the effect of, you know, us saying, like, you know, you guys, you know, whatever, say something bad about them. And their response will be, yeah, well, you guys stink at football. And we're like, <laughs> OK, that's great. We don't care. and then they're like well yeah that's it's like as if they just delivered the be all end all insult and then you know so at some point you know the the conversation will go on and eventually they'll say something you know dismissive about women's basketball in general and then we're just like oh god like why so creighton 
Creighton culturally seems like it's much more of a fit because they love basketball. That's what they're about. So I, I guess what I'm asking you is, you know, does is, does there exist a Creighton basketball Twitter universe that UConn fans can look forward to interacting with, or is that not really as much of a thing? You know, I wouldn't say that it's at the level. It's not at the level of UConn. Um, I, I, I think it feels like it's at maybe in the middle of the pack, the Big East that I've come across with, like my interactions. Like, I don't think it's as strong as as a Xavier um, or or a Nova. It's certainly not at UConn's level, but there's certainly some you know there's some James fans that are active on Twitter that'll speak their mind and don't ma- don't mind going back and forth. I've seen it in my mentions, getting caught in a couple like crossfires conversations with Creighton fans and other teams in the league. I mean, they really love to go at it with Nebraska fans, and that makes total sense. Obviously, it's a rivalry here, and uh, th- the Jays have dominated it over the last decade. So uh, Creighton fans have had a lot of fun sort of puffing up their chest. And, I mean, I think it's going to it's gonna t- probably take some time to grow. Like, I think you're going to need to see some really good games between – like, if UConn went and beat Creighton right off the bat this year because they're playing in December um, at UConn right away, like, if UConn wins that game, that'll, that'll add some spice to it, right? Like, I think you need something like that uh, to – to maybe jumpstart it a little bit, but um, but yeah, no, Creighton's Creighton's all right, and like you said, they're going to be on the same same wavelength. Like UConn's a basketball school, Creighton's a basketball school, and uh, it's only growing. Like that, the 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 fan base, the the passion, it's it's only growing as as Creighton has more success and kind of gets introduced to um, introduced to like what college basketball fandom is is for like a mid-major or for a major conference league versus where they were at in, in the, at the mid-major level. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to it. I know a lot of UConn fans are and it should be a good time. So, I guess uh, you know, what I guess one last thing before I let you go. I mean, what would you say is just like kind of the the, the big takeaway that UConn fans should have as the well, the UConn Creighton rivalry uh, takes root in the next couple, you know, weeks, months and years. You know, I was thinking about this uh, as, as you were talking, and I can't believe I didn't bring it up, but like UConn and Creighton haven't played, but Coach Hurley, Dan Hurley, has faced the Creighton program recently. Um, he, obviously when he was at Rhode Island, um, those two teams matched up in the NCAA tournament uh, 2017, and his team beat Creighton up pretty, pretty handily. Um, the Jays knew what to expect, too. Like, I remember... The players talking about their practices going into that first round uh, uh, NCAA tournament game, just how physical they were. Um, they they were like, "We're ready for a street fight. We know what Rhode Island's going to bring. It's going to be super intense, and we have to be ready to match that." And they weren't like Rhode Island brought it totally elevated that level even further and knocked them off their game. I mean, they brought they were just relentless on the ball, and their Creighton's guards were uncomfortable. Um, they couldn't get anything going inside. And, you know, Creighton is a team that offensively, like, they like to play with pace and, you know, maybe a little bit more uh, finesse-oriented. They definitely recruit si- – or they definitely recruit, like, skill and, and speed um, and, like, IQ. Those are the things that they emphasize a lot um, when they go after players. So they're a different sort of makeup than Rhode Island was under Coach Hurley, and it showed. And so I'm thinking if Coach Hurley brings that same mentality, that same philosophy – philosophy with better players at UConn like we could be in store for some really um, sort of compelling matchups with a little bit of contrasting styles and I think that'll fire up Creighton's fan base a little bit like if they see UConn uh, you know try to win the game with defense or muck it up or be defensive like uh, kind of grind it out a little bit all of a sudden Creighton fans are like why are they fouling so much and UConn fans are like it's not you know tough enough it's not a foul uh, this is the Big East like uh, you know, let's let's uh, stop your whining type stuff. Like we can see some good sort of back and forth there, and um, yeah, we I, I just hope we see some really good competitive games, and I think we will. Um, and uh, I I can't wait to see how the rivalry sort of uh, unfolds. And I look, I know it's a men's basketball oriented thing, but the other thing that's going to be sweet for me as a sports fan is just to see the UConn women's program in Omaha on a routine basis. And obviously those games are not going to be close. Like Creighton's had a decent women's basketball program over the last few years, like made the NCAA tournament three of the last four seasons um, or, or 
well, it, it was going to make the NCAA tournament for a third time in four years before everything got canceled last year. Um, I think they two teams played. Uh, it was like a 36-point margin five years ago, and the women's basketball coach was like in the locker room with his players and just kind of sitting there like, well, they're good, you know, <laughs> like, uh. um, but I mean, what it, I mean, it's, it's, it's an iconic brand. And so it's just going to be so much fun to see the best players in women's basketball take the court, even if the game's not as competitive as, as Creighton fans might like, but that's another element to it that uh, is going to be really cool. And like, again, I cover a lot of sports, so I feel like, UConn's soccer programs are great. Like that's going to add an element. It's baseball programs. Awesome. Here in Omaha, we have the college world series every year. So, uh, there's a, a large college baseball fan base. Um, and so to see that team here in the home of the college world series is going to be fun. Like I'm just super excited to, uh, to see sort of an added level of competitiveness across a lot of sports in the big East. And I think UConn's going to bring that. Yeah, definitely. I can't wait. So, you know, John, thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate all your uh, your insight. So, you know, if anybody wants to find your work, uh, you know, if there's anything you'd like to plug, uh, you know, what uh, where can people find you? Yeah, John Niatawa uh, is that's my Twitter at like account or, or, or uh, Twitter handle. It's just J-O-N and then my last name, N-Y-A-T-A-W-A. Uh, Omaha.com is where all my stuff publishes and, and I try to um, obviously, I'm really Creighton centered, but I try to cover some of the, you know, top stories in the Big East. I put together a Big East power rankings a couple months ago, and I think I had a UConn fourth. So I gotta feel like Husky fans are pretty excited with that, right? Like, you can't hate on me yet. Uh, now I may drop them down a little bit because I'm feeling the Seton Hall vibes lately. Uh, <laughs> but uh, they won't drop lower than fifth if if I did a preseason ranking today. So that's gonna be pretty good, right? Like. Uh, Hopefully I can stay on the good side of, of, of UConn fans for at least for a little bit. I think you'll be fine. Don't worry. It's a, I don't know, you're, we'll, we'll say kind of your most noisy uh, fans are the ones who I think we'll have to, we'll, we'll have to see about, but yeah, no, that's, this, this is good. Thanks. This, this is, uh, this has been a great, uh, great time. I really appreciate your, uh, you know, filling us in on kind of every, uh, everything that UConn needs to know as uh, Creighton becomes a, a fact of life, so to speak. Um, so yeah, well, anyway, uh, you know, John, thanks again. And for all you guys listening, thank you all, uh, as usual, uh, you know, we'll be back uh, next week. Um, and yeah, you, you know, the drill, follow me on Twitter at Max Cerullo, M-A-C-C-E-R-U-L-L-O. Uh, DMs are open. Uh, Gmail is yesyukonpodcast at gmail.com. And you can hit me up there as well. And yeah, leave a five-star review and, uh, help us uh, with those, uh, Apple podcast algorithms. So you guys all have a good one and we will talk to you later.